In that age frame, uh, please definitely jump in on that. Also, this is something that we really wanted to let everyone at 9.30 know. We are starting May 6th with childcare from nursery over in the Adventure Outpost all the way up to uh, Echo, kindergarten through fourth grade at the 8 a.m. service. We're actually um, moving it from all of our children's resources on Saturday night to Sunday because there's a higher demand on Sunday morning and lots of people saying we really would go to the 8 a.m. service if there was childcare. So we want to challenge you to make that your service if that's something, a time frame that works for you. And that's going to be May six that we're kicking that off. We're now in the third week. Oh, and, and next week we're going to be jumping back into the story series again. Um, we're going to be doing the last portion of the Bible. And so if you have a copy of the story this week, read chapter 28 and you'll be all prepped for next weekend. If you have no clue what I'm talking about, that, that might be normal. But we have, we have uh, copies of the story, which is, includes all the text that we've been teaching on from September till uh, the end of May, and you can get yourself a copy over there at the guest hub for five bucks. If you don't have five bucks, just tell them um, that Errol said it was okay, and just run out the door with it as quick as you can, and because uh, we just want to get you into it as best we can. We're, uh, as I said, we're finishing this series on who we are, and uh, we're going to be focusing in on 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. So if you have your Bibles, or your Bible's on your phone, um, or you want to pick up a Bible from the back of the room, feel free to do so, and uh, turn there. This has been a series where we've been talking about the whole concept of generosity, and the fact that as Christians, God does something inside of us that hardwires us to be more generous. And to be honest, a big problem, like a barricade that we have in between who we are now and what we're doing now and actually living out generous lives is actually this, heaven. Heaven is a problem for us. And here's why. Like if you're not a Christian, then, then you'll totally understand this. This is going to make total sense to you. If you're not a Christian, then this is all that there is, right? Life, life on this earth, however many decades you have, this is it. And so like being materialistic makes sense. I, I'm going to I'm going, to play, I'm going to work hard so I can play hard and do that as long as I can because, again, YOLO, right? And so I'm going to get to the end of my life and be done, and that's it. So let's just live it up as long as we can now. If you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian and heaven isn't on the radar, that is the most logical thing you can do. The problem, however, is with Christians who actually believe in heaven, they actually believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again, and he, he authored something that gives us eternal life. And yet, as people who believe in heaven, we still operate as if this life is all that we have. And everything that we do choice-wise really only matters to this. And heaven, we paint as this ethereal, otherworldly, like cloud city place, like, this, like the cloud city from Star Wars uh, in Empire Strikes Back, except for way lamer. Okay, because if you look and see what people actually paint when they're thinking about heaven, it's not this, it's this. Okay, some crazy, you know, overly uh, medicated child person with wings playing uh, arbitrary instruments wearing a skirt. This is not what we should be communicating because none of that, none of that is in scripture as far as our future. The con as you continue Google searching, it doesn't get better. Uh! And it's no wonder why when we depict heaven as pastors, as people like me have depicted heaven, that when you think of heaven, honestly, you look like the paintings. You're pretty bored with the whole idea. Heaven, however, is not like that. If heaven is like that, then it makes sense to be materialistic. Live it up. 
do all the vacationing you can, buying now that you can, get bigger and better as much as you can here and now because it's going to stink for all eternity. You're going to be some like little chubby baby playing a harp, ping-ponging around clouds or something. And yet, and yet, that is not the biblical picture of heaven at all in any way, shape, or form. Heaven is not this. Heaven is, according to Scripture, this place where actually it's not us in this cloud city. It's actually this eternal city that comes down to earth, earth, and restores earth. And so eternity is actually the exploration of the new earth, the adventure of understanding the physics behind earth, that all the questions that we had about earth and realizing that the creator is with us here. The savior who paid for our ability to be there is there. And this is the amazing thing, that as much as it's this ongoing adventure and learning and worth for all eternity without end, as cool as that is, the reality is that we didn't get to heaven by anything that we did. It was only the free gift of what Jesus did. And yet, this Jesus talks so much before the cross about the fact that in spite of the fact that this is a free gift, he chooses to reward generous, obedient lifestyles that we live on the couple decades we have on this planet for all of eternity. We don't get there by anything we earn. However, what we're experiencing is enhanced by the life that we choose to lead for him and his glory here on earth. Very much like the the line from Gladiator, the life that you lead now will echo into eternity. But we don't live that way. We live like this is it. And so again, I'm going to save up a lot so I can buy a lot, or I'm going to save for the future so I can get a lot, and we forget that we can't take it with us. When J.D. Rockefeller, uh, you know, massive, massive millionaire, uh, billionaire, um, oil tycoon, when he, and, and land tycoon, when he, um, when he died, everyone wanted to know how much he, had, he was worth. And so they asked his lawyer, how much did J.D. Rockefeller leave when he died? And his lawyer said, everything. He left everything. He didn't take anything with him. And yet, for a Christian, we have a nuance to this reality. Randy Alcorn put it this way, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. You actually can spend and invest your resources now in a way that will echo into eternity and have eternal impact rather than just the couple decades we have on this planet, which of course brings us to 2 Corinthians. So if you could rise, stand up while we're reading 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 6 through 15. This is Paul writing a letter to his friends that are in a church, and this is what he says. And just just for a little bit of context before this, in a couple chapters before this, he said something happened when you became a Christian. Like there was an old you, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit got into you to make a new you. It's like you looked at me, I I used to be a jerk. I still struggle with that, but I've got a new ability not to be a jerk. I used to be super stingy and self-absorbed, but now, now I'm generous. That's what he's getting to right here. Remember this, whoever sows or plants sparingly will also reap or harvest sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you'll be able to abound in every good work. As it's written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. 
You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions and thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel in Christ and of your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for, the, for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. The thing that I want to bat home today is that this life that Paul is talking about, when we actually start being kingdom-minded and being generous with, with, with our giving, four cha- things change in us that, that are paradigm shifts that alter things. The first is this. The first thing that changes is our heart. If you, if you see what he's talking about there in verse 6, he says, it sounds like he's going karma, like he's, he's doing the karma thing of like, if you do good, good things will happen. If you do bad, bad things will happen. That's karma. You know, you get back what you give, right? But it's radically different. Listen, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. See, that sounds like karma to me, but it's better than karma. It's kingdom. Because you get to what he's after in the next verse. Each of you should give what you have decided in your hearts to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The thing that alters and changes in our hearts when we give is, is our outward perspective. And again, this is the difference between karma and kingdom. Karma says, if I'm generous then good things are going to happen to me. If I'm a a generous person, maybe I'm going to get richer as a result of it. And so there's a cause and effect. The problem with this is that this actually just conditions us to be just as selfish as we were before. If I give to this person, I'm not just giving to this person, I'm giving to this person so that I get something back. Kingdom, the kingdom of Christ, is radically different. It actually says this, if Jesus is my king, I am generous because that's who I am. I might actually, as a result of giving to you, not see a return on it as far as my bank account. I will be poorer if I actually give to you, if I actually lead generous life. life. I might die a poor person as a result of this. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Because honestly, I've got a couple decades on this planet and an eternity afterwards. Karma says, do this so that you get more, which is just materialism. Christianity, following Jesus the King, says, actually... Actually, I'm just operating because of who I am. And the truth is, is that when Jesus says where your heart, where where your heart, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Like whatever it is that you're investing your life in financially or with your resources, that's what's most important to you. And so what what does God do with with our money is this. He leads us to give. And my giving is him getting my heart ready. My giving is him getting my heart ready. Ready for what? Ready for heaven. I've got a couple of decades on this planet where God is actually using everything in this world, ups, downs, negatives, positives, and how I invest my resources to get my heart ready for an eternity that is not self-absorbed. It's not stressed out because the bills aren't being paid. It's not strained out because of the fact that I've, I've, I've bought too much. I've, I've been living above my means, not below them. It's, that's not the life that God has for us. And so this life, he actually uses the way that we invest our resources to help us see the beauty and the adventure and the amazing reality of 
being someone who's generous. My giving is him getting my heart ready. I look more and more like him. There's this uh, 60 Minutes special a couple years back, um, and it devastated me. There was this, there's this uh, dental surgeon, and he, he specializes in people who were born with severe um, uh, malformed mouths and jaws where they just aren't wor- working properly, they can't eat properly, some of their teeth are out of place or non-existent, and their jaws themselves are, are just deformed to the point that people grow up with this, this handicap not being able to actually operate in everyday life, eating or, or anything else. And so it was talking about how he does a lot of the, his work just pro bono, not just for people who are rich. And um, there was this one particular young lady who absolutely needed this surgery, and she couldn't afford it. And she told, tells the story about how growing up, if someone was ever taking a picture, she tried to get out of it. We, a lot of us know what that's like. You don't want, it, you know, don't want them to see. But she, on a, in addition to that, she never ever wanted to smile or talk to someone because as soon as she opens her mouth, everyone is going to see what she has to see every single day. She was terrified that someone would say something around her that was funny because if she laughed... She would open herself up to being judged or stared at. And she had experienced it so many times. Whenever she would eat, if you were around her, she would just always do this, so that you would not see what she sees every single day. And then this sur- she meets the surgeon. And the surgeon says, I'm going to be able to take care of this. Don't you worry about it. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the jaw and the teeth and everything else that you were always intended to have. And so she goes under the knife for several hours, and, and, and they do all the surgery and everything else. And then she comes out of anesthesia. And then you have this surgeon sitting down next to her and just saying to her, it was a success, we did it, would you like to see your mouth? And she was reluctant. She was petrified. Especially when he brought out the mirror because the mirror had always been something that, she, that was devastatingly dis- destructive to her, what she would see in that mirror. And he brings back out the mirror and he shows her. And she opens her eyes and then just tear after tear after tear started coming down her face. And she started to just touch her teeth, her new teeth that this doctor had, had, had crafted in there and the jaw that now was, was shaped correctly. And she just started crying. And she said, doctor, my smile is beautiful. I have a beautiful smile. And then she said, and she takes her eyes off the mirror and she looks up at the doctor's face and he's smiling, and he's crying. And she says, my smile looks just like yours. That's what Jesus does with us. He uses this life and our obedience to condition our heart to be like his. And one of the primary ways he does it, because it's so central to every day of our life, is our finances. My giving is him getting my heart ready for eternity. But it's more than that, not just just getting our heart ready and changing our heart, but also changes the range of our investments. Um, there's two types of people in this world, 13-year-old Errol type of people and 13-year-old Julie McFadden type of people. <laughs> just two. And you're, you're one of these two people. 13-year-old Errol, if mom... <coughs> excuse me. Oh, that was really loud. <laughs> 13-year-old Errol, would, uh, if he got 20 bucks from his mom or dad to spend for a week of camp... When he gets to camp, the 20 bucks are gone within 35 minutes. 
and usually on candy. And it's like, and, like, and if my parents, when they, they would come across this, they were like, what did you do? That was supposed to last over this whole time. I know, I know, but candy, candy. 13-year-old Julie, if she got 20 bucks for camp, she probably would say, you know what, I could use this now. But one day, I'm going to put a down payment on a house. <laughs> so I'm just going to tuck it away. Okay, savers, thinking about the future, spenders, candy. How many of you are 13-year-old Errols? Okay, this is a safe place. Come on, it's all right. Okay, hands down. We're not judging you. Okay, how many of you are 13-year-old Julies? Okay, now here's the thing. Don't be this person. <laughs> you know, I know, this doesn't serve you well. How many fights have you had with people that love you that, because of your 13-year-old Errol, all right? And it's hard to shake, too. It's just 14 and 20, 40. <laughs> Don't be this person. However, the reality is, is that a lot of us think that 13-year-old Julie, this is the way to operate. What am I doing? I'm investing in the future. Okay, I've got kids that I've got to put through college, so I've got to start saving now. And that five years from now, 10 years from now, whatever, that's going to be a reality. And that's smart. Or, you know what? I'm thinking about my retirement. I need to put away enough money so that when I retire, I still have enough to live on. That's wise. It's smart. However, if that's your end game, if that's the whole picture of your financial end, that I'm, I'm saving for my family, for my future, etc. If that's it, when looked at in the, however many decades you have on this planet with eternity, just saving for the future, 20 years, 30 years, looks like 13-year-old Errol compared to eternity. You're just spending it right here. Rather than realizing that maybe I shouldn't be just investing in 20 years from now, I should be investing in something that's going to be a reality 20 million years from now. Scripture paints the picture that the way that we operate with our investments on earth actually echo into eternity. We can't take it with us, but we can send it on forward. And if you take a look at verse 10, what Paul is saying here, he says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your retirement. Wait, no, he doesn't say. He says, will enlarge the harvest of your bank account. Nope. Will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now, righteousness is something that Jesus enables us to live out. It's like, um, it's like if, you li- if you just ate garbagey foods forever, or like, I, don't know if, I don't know if you've ever gone on like a binge where you've just eaten a lot of fast food and you start to feel like the years just being pulled out of your life, like, I, just can't, I don't even like you anymore, <laughs> that type of thing. And then like, you, like whenever my family would go to California, we would eat an In-N-Out burger and all these other places so many times. Then when I got back to Illinois, I'm like, that's it. I'm just vegetarian for like three weeks because I got to just cleanse my body of how I feel now. And I love that type of food. But that, that's, righteousness is basically that, like, this is the way my body was supposed to operate. This, I feel so much more, like, human now. Righteousness is right standing with God that Jesus bought for us on the cross. And when we choose to, like, step into it, it's like God's not only enabling us to feel this way, the way that it was always intended to be, but he also, Jesus promises that when we make steps of righteousness, that he rewards us in eternity. And so when, when we're actually being the type of person that is generous with our giving, that's something that is not just righteousness. We feel an impact immediately, but we have a a longer range on the investment, and it goes on from there. 
The person who's not, uh, not, not forgetting 30 years from now, but, but is thinking about 30 years from now, but also thinking about 30 million years from now, and they're attentive to that. Kingdom giving actually changes the range of your investments. Are you investing that way? And things that are not going to simply die with you, but go far beyond that. Thirdly, kingdom giving also changes the purpose of our wealth. Kingdom giving changes the purpose of our wealth. This is so cool. Look at verse 11. Paul says this, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be super happy and have more stuff than your neighbor. Yep. You will be enriched in every way so that finally you could afford that vehicle. Nope. You, can, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. As a Christian, not as a non-Christian, as a non-Christian, your money is all about you, okay? This, is as clo- this life is as close as heaven- to heaven as you're going to get, so you should spend it in any way that's going to make you happy. For however long it will make you happy, when it stops making you happy, buy something else. If you're not a believer, that is really the smart thing to do. However, if you're a Christian and you realize that the blink of an eye that we've got on this planet is not it, then all of a sudden we realize that our wealth is not just to make us more comfortable or satisfied on this planet. It actually has a deeper and more powerful purpose. This one time Jesus was doing all this amazing teaching and uh, just blowing people's minds right and left about a different way of thinking about God and thinking about living out this kingdom mindset. We're, we're ruled by Romans, but he's talking about that we can live a different way in spite of the fact that there are political rulers. We can live for him. And then all of a sudden this happens. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, my brother will uh, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. It's like one of those things like, where did that come from? Like you're just tangentially blindsiding me with this this dispute that you got with your brother? Yeah, like seriously, he's got 50% of like, like he's he's totally being stingy. This is unjust. You seem to be righteous. Fix it. I want my money. And Jesus just looks at him, and I love Jesus' response. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me judge or arbiter between you? You think my purpose of coming, being God and coming man was, was to, to play Judge Judy for you? Is that it? Because you and your brother, yes, you, your brother's stingy. I know him. Is this unjust what he's doing to you? For sure. But you have a way bigger problem than your stingy, jerky brother. Your problem is, is that you're letting this whole financial thing warp you. As if this was the primary purpose in life. It's so important that you've been thinking about that rather than even listening to me. And then look what Jesus does. And then he said to him, watch out. He responds to this guy with this. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told him this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, and I'll big, build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain, laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Now, as Americans, we look at this guy as a success story. You did it. You did it. You did it. You, you not only had enough to, to supply for you and your family, but you had so much, you had to build bigger things to put all your stuff in. 
and bigger and bigger things. And even above and beyond that, not only do, is your quality of life and your standard of living increased, but on top of that, you're like, dude, I got so much bank, I could actually just like quit and take the last chapter of my life and do nothing and just eat, drink, and be merry. How awesome is that? And all of us would say, boom, that's what I want to do. And we would think that Jesus would say, the purpose I was telling you this story is because I want you to go and do likewise. Peace. And walk away. He doesn't do that. If you thought that's where Jesus was going, you're going to be really disappointed. But God said to him, you fool. Oh, that's totally different than I was anticipating. God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Ouch. Jesus communicates there is a purpose of your wealth, and it's not you. Like, I mean, you might die prematurely, or you might live your whole life and, and have all this stuff, but once you die, what good did any of that do anyone but you? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. As Christians, we have this, this life is all that there is type of mindset, even though we believe in heaven. And so because of that, we, we work as hard as we can so we can play as hard as we can as long as we can. And that makes sense unless you believe in heaven. Unless you realize that there's something far more in this life than that. When we get increases, we think, oh, sweet, finally I can afford the bigger stuff. But scripture, and Jesus seems to paint a different picture. I love how Randy Alcorn put it. God did not bless you with a standard of living increase, but with a standard of giving increase. God did not bless you with a standard of living increase, but with a standard of giving increase. And I have seen this. Um, uh, back when we first started uh, the Ignite campaign, when we said, okay, we're going to build this building to impact the next generation, and, and they, they did. Um, people, we said, we want, whatever you're giving, and you, we want you to actually pray about what you can give above and beyond that. And so some people decided to sell stock, which I've never sold stock, so I don't know that whole process. But, I, but this particular individual sold a fairly good size of stock and got a really good return, and then you've got the decision. Do I actually give this to this or not? And whenever you, you give a large portion, you always got to ask yourself the question, like, am I going to regret this? I mean, that's what I would do. But he did it anyway. And the thing that he found was that in a short bit of time, that amount that he had given from that stock came back to him so that he could buy bigger and cooler stuff. No. God called him to give so that he could get so that he could give. There was this uh, lady just two weeks ago. She came up to me um, when we were having the home cut donut uh, patio, indoor patio party. And uh, she said to me uh, how back in that time, she, she didn't have a whole lot, but she, she prayed about it and she knew that God wanted her to be generous. And so she said, God, I don't know where this is going to come from because this is going to be pushing into like our, the stuff that we pay for in everyday life, but I'm going to give this. And after the two years was over, she went back and she looked at her finances and she saw that the raises that she got over that time frame added up to the exact dollar amount of what she pledged to give. So that God could give her an awesome blessing so that she could finally go to Cancun. No, so that she could actually be the type of person that's like, look what's happening with my life. Like, God called me to sacrifice, and then he resupplied me so I could go back and continue in the adventure of following him and seeing that my life has worth. And Julie, um, Julie and Jen, they were down in Haiti 
And Julie uh, calls me up one evening and she says, okay, there's this guy that we want to help him out with this, this project that he's doing. Um, we, this is a godly guy. We, we, we trust him. We've worked with him. And we really feel like we should be generous and give to this individual. And Jen and Julie decided to do so. I, I said, I, I don't think she was really calling for my permission now that I come to think of it. Sounded so much better when I thought about it before. But, but yet she called, I think, to notify me, we are doing this. We're going to be generous. And I, and I said, I think I said, that sounds great. Good. I'm glad that you've already done that. Um, <laughs> literally the next day, the amount that Julie said that she was going to give, I got a check for, I was not expecting. For a, a job that I did a while back, I didn't, wasn't anticipating getting paid for, but someone decided anyway. And it happened to be like 30, 40 bucks more than what we pledged to give. I said, now I've got this check. And I'm like, boys, this is us time. Mom's in Haiti. We're going to have a blast. We're going to go to we're gonna get Little Caesars because that's what you do when you have a lot of money. And we're just going to like, no, I didn't do that. It was Chuck E. Cheese. No, no, it wasn't that either. <laughs> we gave... God gave us so we can continue giving. He's going to continue to resource people that are working in his kingdom work and not only resourcing them, helping them see the impact of it. I may die a poor man, and I probably will because I've got four kids to put through college. I may die a poor man. I may die wealthy. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I've only got a couple of decades on this planet. What I do now echoes into eternity, however, and that does matter. And the truth is, is that um, when I think about my life, and I'm not living a spectacular life, you guys know me, but when I think about my life and the richness that God's allowed me and the experiences of watching him work, watching God work, I'll put the richness of my life up against any celebrity or millionaire who's simply living the American dream. I'll put it up against any one of them. And, and I'll put your stories up against any one of them because you're seeing the same thing. Those of you who are actually stepped into this, you've realized the life and the richness of life of being generous and watching God go, I'm still resourcing you so you can keep getting back out there into this game and into the adventure of this. Um, one thing that we wanted to challenge everyone with to give you kind of a handle on, on what, what, what's a good step. And this is beyond Minooka Bible Church. So in Minooka Bible Church and outside of MBC, we want to say whatever you're giving, just make it a goal in 2018 to say, okay, we're going to go 1% more of our, of, of our salary to, into this. So let's just say that you were giving like, and as we said, the 1% challenge was just like for this year. Let's say that you give $1,000 a year, right? It's like, so you're like, okay, God, I'm going to trust you that you're going to help me out by giving $10 more this year and watch what you do through it. And, I, and I, whatever it is that you give, and I thank God that I don't have a clue what anyone gives except for Julie and I, I love the fact that when I've watched people live out the generosity in their life, they keep coming back and telling me, this is blowing my mind to see what God is doing. Step in. It changes the purpose of your wealth. Kingdom giving not only does that, but it also changes real lives. And this is the, this is the key part of the purpose. It's not just for our hearts to be changed or for the range of our investments to, to lengthen from this lifetime to eternity. But it's also, it changes real lives today for the future and into eternity um, when, when, when we give, and again, I, I want to challenge you to be generous outside of Monica Bible Church as well, but when you're giving here, you're actually laying down investments in the next generation. All of us in this room, if you're a Christian, you stand on the shoulder of legacy, the legacy of people who, for, since the first century on, 
have given generously of their life so that the gospel would go out. People who had made, made sure that, that places were established where the, where the children and adults could be discipled and hear more about Jesus. I, I, I'm, I'm the recipient of the fact that people made sure that I could go to camps where I not only heard the gospel, but I was challenged to take a step into vocational ministry. I would not be in Manuka, Illinois as your pastor if it wasn't for the generosity of regular people, not millionaires, but regular people who generously invested into the next generation. People who are dead today invested so that we could be here in California. And so the, the, the reality is, is that when we give, um, one of the things that we, we looked at this year was we realized that the oldest part of our church building, um, the red room and all the classrooms underneath it are looking just, they're showing their age and they needed massive renovation just to, just to, to be, have the upkeep. But that, that's expensive to do. And so we said, well, let's, take, let's just put it in the budget. Let's, let's take a step of faith and do the first part of it by, by saying, let's just put this big money, this big amount in the budget. But that, that's actually saying we're actually putting more money in our budget than we're anticipating the giving to be. And so basically with that, we said, all right, we're going to just trust God's going to step up and step in because we want to invest in the next generation. We want to invest in the rooms that celebrate recovery and, uh, and re-engage, actually occupy, Bible studies occupy, where real life is happening. When, whenever we give here on the weekend, we're actually seeing 30 to 35 global missionaries resource to take the gospel to places and to people we will never, ever go to and never, ever meet. We get a chance to, that, we get a chance to be a part of that. And the thing is, when my wife and I, when we've got this set up to be reoccurring, it happens automatically. So I'm going through, I'm just driving through town, everyday life, and, and part of my life is going global and making an impact there to be a blessing in our community, et cetera, et cetera. Paul says that the connection between the gospel received and the way we flesh that out in this world into eternity happens where these two things meet. And I'm going to put on the screen just the last portion of that passage that we read earlier because it, it just is so impactful. And, and Paul's talking to this church in Corinth, but take this personally. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you, Minooka Bible Church, have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ, for your generosity, NBC, in sharing with them and with everyone else. And their prayers for you, then their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given to you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Some of you are living out this indescribable gift. Your, 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 it, your life, it's not easy, but you're living out the indescribable gift, not only of the gospel impact on you, but on the gospel impact on others in the way that you give, which of course brings us back to heaven. But maybe more accurately, heaven and Harv. The person that interviewed me up at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago to come to Minooka Bible Church was this guy named Harv Russell. A lot of you guys know Harv because even though he's um, passed away several years back, his impact on Joliet area is profound. Harv is a perfect example of an everyday person making, like an ordinary person doing extraordinary things for God. I remember when I, after coming on, on staff, going to the camp that he helped author, this teen camp for high school students, and watching this 
old guy. And that's not in any way, shape, or form offensive to him. He was crazy old. And as a crazy old guy, not crazy old, but crazy old, he was someone who still, maybe had to be crazy because he was going to high school camps and junior high camps, and he was keeping up. He was a guy who would teach, and he would sit down with students and pour into them. I remember as I'd watched him as, as a young, like, Padawan youth pastor looking up at Obi-Wan Kenobi, I'm like, this guy is, this is who I want to be when I grow up. It's amazing. And Harv poured his life out, and he had this mantra that he lived by. He always said, you can't outgive God. And he showed it with his life. You can't outgive God. And so he was always generous of his time, of his finances, and everything. And, I, and, that, and that, that was just Harv. Always was challenged by Harv. One of the things that the Christian Youth Center day, uh, team camp that they would do on like one of the last nights, and it was always goofy, I hated it, was um, that they would have like a skit thing where all the high schoolers did skits, and then they had uh, like a lip sync. And the reason I hated it was because I had to sit in the front row and, and judge it, and it was torturous. And some of you guys were high school students back then. I know, I remember you. You were bad. Bad. It's terrible. But this one particular time, th- th- this, this group did this um, lip sync, and they, they didn't do a goofy song. They did um, that 80s song. If you were like a Christian who went to church in the 80s, you know the song, Thank You for Giving to the Lord. And they sing this song, and they pantomime the whole song. And the song's, it's actually a, a decent song. The acting was still terrible. But they, 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 as they're pantomiming this song, the song's all about this guy who dies and goes to heaven. And as he's going through heaven, this stranger comes up to him and starts telling him, you have no idea what you've done for me. When you gave at your church, there was a ministry that happened that impacted me. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. And then another person, another stranger comes up to him and says, hey, you know what? You didn't have a whole lot of money, but when that missionary talked at that one thing you went to and God prompted you to give, you gave. And I was a person in that country that heard the gospel and received it. I'm here today because of you. Thank you for giving to the Lord. And this somewhat cheesy 80s song, Thank You for Giving to the Lord, was pantomime between these students. And it was good. It was really good. But then they did something that killed me. The last portion of the song, they stop and they break the fourth wall and they look at the audience. And one of the, the one who is the lead lip syncer walks into the audience and finds Harv. And grabs Harv by the hand, raises him up and walks him to the front. And he... Uh, They bring Harv to the center of the group up front, of, uh, in front of everyone, and they sing the last portion of the song, the last chorus to Harv. Thank you for giving to the Lord. 14, 15, 16-year-olds singing to Harv, thank you for giving to the Lord, for I am a life that was changed. And Harv didn't know what to do. Harv just stood there, and he just closed his eyes, and he just put his finger up. Because that was Harv's life. Harv didn't regret when he died one second he invested in people. And he didn't regret one cent that he gave to the kingdom work. And I'll tell you this from personal experience. Everything he gave in his life is still having impact on us today. What is your life investment leading towards What is the eternal impact of how you manage God's money now? 
You may die wealthy, you may die poor, it really doesn't matter. Your life is an investment. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. Thank you for giving to the Lord because the lives that are being changed are continuing to add up. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we lift up to you. Thanks for the fact that we aren't um, individually or unilaterally giving or generous people. We tend to be more self-interested because we have so many needs and so many stressors on our life, God. I pray that you help reorient us as a church and as individuals to be people that are fleshing out the reality, the generous reality of a life of giving. Lord, for those of us that have challenges right now, Lord, I pray that you help us uh, be financially wise, but that you don't get us out of debt just so we can go into deeper debt. You don't just help us get to a place of financial standing so that we can actually just end up wasting our life another decade, but that you position us to watch the most life change take place in your name and for your glory. This is Jesus' name that we pray for this offering. Amen.